Welcome to The Key to Carowin, a work of original fiction by Wendy Fair. Key to Carowin is narrated by Mason Fair. The Key to Carowin, Chapter 17, The Infinite Ending. I stand in the darkness, the light from that world failing to reach into this one, and I hunger for it. I do not leave when I am exiled. I wait, wait to see what will become of the girl. I linger by a door I cannot enter, even though it is still open and bright. After a very long while, they approach the door. I slide behind the shadows and pull them down over my head. A disconsolate scene. A tearful goodbye, reassurances uttered, promises made, embraces and kisses, a reluctant letting go of a hand, the weight of sorrow hanging heavy in the air, choking off breath and raining down with the stinging scent of bitter. And yet they endure it, hold it tight to them, as though making it their own, a badge of commendation. With a final glance back, a young woman, lithe and graceful, steps through the door. But it is a child that emerges into this world, stepping out into the darkness as the light falls from her. The door closes when her feet leave the threshold. The light dies a sudden death. How can she bear it? The girl stands and looks around. She and I now stand alone together, surrounded by silent darkness, the train gone, and the door nowhere to be seen. The girl bends and scrambles for her things, the satchel, the key, the flashlight. She finds one and with it searches for the other two. She snatches up both and bolts from the tunnel, her small frame barely visible in the inky depths of the night. I follow the girl as she makes a mad dash back to her home. She flies up the steps to her front door and throws it open with as much force as her small arms merit. She forgets she is small again. She is met by a full and ringing silence. Mom? Dad? She calls into the echoing emptiness. A gruff voice from the shadows. They're not home yet. Where were you? The boy demands. I... I... The girl stops and takes a deep, easy breath. I needed some air. I went for a walk, she finally says. Short walk, the boy commented snidely. You were only gone ten minutes. I... I wanted to be here when they got back, the girl replies. Well, you are. The boy jerks his chin in the direction of the window as headlights pull up beside the curb. I could describe the scene for you, could tell you all the gory details of their laments and recount every single teardrop for you, but I won't. I will save those thoughts for myself, keep them to savor through my long, dark existence. 
Although you can rest content, for I am certain you can imagine the agony of a family when it loses a child. You were born into such things, and you will die amidst the same turmoil. I watch them for days, watch as their drama unfolds. I watch and wait and plan as their pain takes shape and direction, so too does my plan. I let their suffering determine my course. After all, it is always easiest to let people destroy themselves. I only need to give them a small push in a direction they are already going. And so it comes to this, this restless, this endless fighting, this endless starvation. Were that I was alone, but I am not. I will not be alone for the rest of this life, and I hate it. Hate it with every ounce of what remains of me. I hate the shadows. Hate being at their head. Hate having to watch and listen to them. Hate ruling them. Obsequious psychophants. Cloying and clambering, tugging and pawing, always wanting my help, always demanding to be heard. They are everywhere, bringing too many stories to me and expecting me to aid them in their antics. For good or evil, I never quite know with them. I am tossed about on their dark rapids, tumbling so that I rarely find the surface. On those rare occasions when I can rise above their noise and jostling, I go to check on the girl. I follow her through the maelstrom that is her life, watch as she tries so desperately to save her family from my ministrations, tries to save them from the shadows that she had once sought shelter from, shadows now at my command. Every time she believes that she has set things to rights, I return to give her world another push and a spin, upsetting her family's balance just when they've gotten their feet under them again. And I like it. It is too easily done. However, not much artistry involved, not enough for satisfaction nor merit. It doesn't take much to arrange their unending string of crises. A job lost, and then another. An overwhelming addiction, a strong desire. A grey day and a low mood at the same time. Shades whispering words like hopeless, unbearable, endless, worthless, pointless. The list goes on. I see to it that money is scarce, incentive non-existent, and determination rare. Hunger is plentiful, despair easily obtained, and frustration readily at hand. So simple to have the man take another drink. So easy to have the woman wallow in the dark and stay in bed all day. So very effortless to have the boy give up on school, and then on work, and then on friends. So easily done. I might have taken credit for the demise of the family members, but to be honest, they did most of the work themselves. 
It was nevertheless a pleasing thing to witness and participate in as I may. There was a single thing that vexed me, however. Throughout it all, through every difficult turn of their path and every valley I led them into and rarely out of, in the center of every turmoil and storm I could muster, the girl walked straight and true. She never lost her direction, focus, or balance. Didn't stumble, no matter how often I tried to trip her up. Each time I would strike at her family, she would be there to set things to rights again. She worked when others wouldn't. She fed them when they had no food. She pulled them along when they would surely have gotten mired in their sinkhole. The girl never wavered or stopped. And I hated her for that. Hated her for undoing all that I worked so hard to accomplish. She stayed her course right to the end. I saw her one final time. She was a vision of time gone on too long. The epitome of wear from a life hard fought. She was a sword blunted and rusted in battle yet still bright. Her long auburn hair now cut short from fatigue and turned gray with worry. Care and sorrow had worn her frame into a bony outline, and weariness had weathered her skin, etching its passage on her visage. Her family was gone. She was now free to return to Carewin. And so she did. The final time I checked on her, she was being tucked into bed by a work-hardened nurse, smelling of antiseptic and with hands as cold as death itself. The girl tries to tell the nurse there is something she needs. She wants her key and her flashlight and her map. But the nurse does not heed the girl's words. There is no key and no flashlight, love. There never was any map, dear. And walks out of the room. She is her own story and has no time for the fading and ebbing of this one. The girl waits, lying still in the darkness. The lights shut off, and now is her moment. A chance for the shadows to help her one last time. She rises slowly, so slowly, for her joints ache from much straining and her strength is failing. For want of others to care for her now that she was too withered to care for herself. With great will, she forces herself out of bed. The shadows move to her then, helping her up letting her lean on them as she shuffles through the hollow halls of the building. The shadows move the girl forward along the street, creeping through the night and cold until she steps out of sight into the black hole of the tunnel once again. I follow her, lingering in the corners of the tunnel, away from the revealing light. Away from the shades, aiding the girl. Shadows that will return to me if I call them. I do not summon them. I let them help her. I watch hungrily as the door opens to her. 
The girl raises her head, waiting. And then he is there, young and strong. He steps forward and takes the girl's hand. He smiles. Come, he invites. You are weary. Here you will find rest. The girl, masked by age and time, takes his hand and steps through the door. Where an old woman steps from this world, it is a slender youth that enters Kerwin. I fall back into the shadows as the couple walks hand in hand into the bright light of that world. I am glad for her. to Key to Carowin, a work of original fiction by Wendy Fair. Key to Carowin was narrated by Mason Fair, with original music provided by Serena Fair. For more information about this and other projects, please visit shifterspress.ca. Thank you for listening.